It's Thursday, January the 28th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Europe's peak over vaccines and Biden's plan for climate change. First, the world in brief. The argument between the European Union and AstraZeneca intensified. EU officials said the pharmaceutical company must fork over COVID-19 vaccines manufactured in and for Britain in order to fulfil its contract with the bloc. AstraZeneca rejects the demand, relying on an agreement that stipulates merely that it make a best effort to deliver orders. Meanwhile, Sanofi, a French drug firm whose own vaccine attempts have spluttered, will produce 125 million doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech serum in an effort to speed the EU's vaccination rollout. That raises hope that more drug makers might throw their manufacturing and distribution prowess behind already proven shots. America's President Joe Biden signed executive orders fulfilling some of his campaign promises on climate change. These included pausing oil and gas leasing on federal lands and making the issue a priority for foreign policy and national security. He also directed federal agencies to invest in the areas worst affected by pollution, which are more likely to be home to African Americans and other minorities. Russian police raided the offices and home of Alexei Navalny, an opposition politician detained on trumped-up charges when he returned to Moscow from Germany earlier this month. Security forces also reportedly arrested Mr Navalny's brother. Last weekend, Mr Navalny's arrest prompted huge anti-Kremlin demonstrations, during which 4,000 people were detained. Bangladesh said it would move 3,000 more Rohingya refugees from Myanmar to an island in the Bay of Bengal this week. Around 3,500 have been relocated there since December. Human rights groups say Basan Char is cyclone-prone and unsuitable, more a shoal than an island. Bangladeshi officials say the move is necessary to reduce overcrowding in camps on the mainland. Apple recorded its highest-ever quarterly revenue. The tech giant brought in $111.4 billion in the three months to December 26th, up by 21% on a year earlier. Its iPhones, services, which include the App Store, Music and TV, and wearables such as the iWatch, all broke revenue records. The stellar performance was driven by China, where sales grew by 57%. Boeing recorded a net loss of almost $12 billion for 2020. Reduced air travel due to COVID-19 caused a slump in the American plane maker's deliveries and its 737 MAX aircraft were mostly grounded after two crashes in 2018 and 2019. Yesterday, Europe's aviation regulator became the latest to clear the 737 MAX to fly again. China, which accounts for a quarter of sales, is yet to approve it. And Melvin Capital, an American hedge fund, abandoned its short position in GameStop after the video game retailer's share price surged by more than 600% this month, driven by retail investors on Reddit, a social media site and source of online mayhem. Discord, a popular platform among such traders, banned a server dedicated to their subreddit, r slash WallStreetBets, not for financial fraud, but for hate speech. And now, here's today's agenda. Apocalypse Now, the UN Secretary-General's agenda. 
Every January, the UN Secretary-General delivers what amounts to a State of the World Address. Last year, Antonio Guterres summoned an apocalyptic four horsemen threatening the planet, geopolitical tensions, the climate crisis, global mistrust and the dark side of technology. That was before a fifth, COVID-19, went on its global rampage. Today, Mr. Guterres is likely to lament the world's fragility in the face of disease and division, but also to stress how these can be overcome through international cooperation and a green recovery. At least one apocalyptic worry is gone, the fear that a misstep could upset Donald Trump and lead America, by far the biggest contributor to the UN's budget, to pull out on a whim. Joe Biden, unlike the president he replaced, is a believer in multilateralism. But Mr. Guterres, who is sometimes criticised for pulling his punches, will still want to play it safe. He has his eye on a second five-year term. Harsh Landing – America's GDP Figures In the summer and autumn, as many rich economies continued to reel from the first wave of COVID-19, America's roared back. GDP grew by 7.4% in the third quarter, and the unemployment rate fell. Fourth quarter GDP estimates released today, however, will probably show a return to Earth. Analysts still think the economy grew, but nowhere near as fast as in the third quarter, when businesses that were shut in the spring reopened. The end of the year was always going to be more sluggish, but a new surge in COVID-19 cases and the expiry of the first stimulus agreed on by Congress accentuated the loss of momentum. But there is cause for optimism. President Joe Biden is pursuing a new stimulus worth $1.9 trillion and hopes to have enough COVID-19 vaccines to inoculate America's adult population by the end of the summer. The IMF, in its latest forecast, predicts GDP will expand by 5.1% in 2021. Taking the Oath – Kyrgyzstan's Political Redux A charismatic populist who laughs off comparisons with Donald Trump assumes office in Kyrgyzstan today after a landslide election victory. Sadir Japarov promises to set a course for stability after political unrest ousted the restive Central Asian country's former president last autumn. He also wants to overhaul the political system to grant himself sweeping new powers. Voters have approved Mr. Japarov's plans to weaken the country's parliament, which made Kyrgyzstan a liberal rarity in an authoritarian region in favour of presidential rule, which the country discarded after a previous revolution in 2010 to guard against the return of a strongman. Critics decry the reforms as an audacious power grab in a state that has witnessed three popular revolts since 2005. As he swears his oath, Mr. Japarov may ponder the unenviable fates of his predecessors, two in exile, one in jail, as a sombre reminder that in Kyrgyzstan, seizing power is often easier than holding on to it. Row back, Biden and abortion. Joe Biden came to power promising to uphold abortion rights. Today, he is expected to ditch a policy known as the Global Gag Rule, which prevents foreign groups that provide abortion services from receiving American cash. He will also kick off a review of a Trump administration decision that stops funds from Title X, a family planning program, going to domestic abortion providers. But the Supreme Court will have more of a say than the President in the future of abortion in America,
With its 6-3 conservative majority, it seems certain to uphold more of the state-level abortion restrictions that chip away at Roe v. Wade, the ruling that in 1973 declared abortion a constitutional right. It is also more likely than ever to overturn it altogether. Mr Biden has pledged to codify Roe, presumably in federal law, but that is unlikely to come very high on his administration's long to-do list. Kitty's Cornered Sovereign Wealth Funds Today, Norges Bank Investment Management, which runs Norway's Sovereign Wealth Fund, the world's largest, unveils key results for 2020. The pandemic made last year an unusual one for national piggy banks. 26 governments withdrew a combined $162 billion from wealth funds to help support their battered economies. Startled by volatility and the inability to arrange face-to-face meetings, sovereign wealth funds also invested a third less capital than in 2019. But liquid assets such as bonds and stocks, which still account for some three-quarters of state-owned investors' portfolios, have soared since April. That helped buoy sovereign funds' assets under management to a record $9.1 trillion last month from $8.7 trillion in December 2019. Another reason is that, learning from past mistakes, funds have become cleverer investors since the financial crisis in 2008, providing them with a herd immunity of sorts against market volatility. NBIM's results will give a hint of how durable that immunity is likely to be. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Charlemagne, who died on this day in 814 AD. To have another language is to possess a second soul. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.